Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Shannon, your beer mistress. And I'm Jason. Welcome to the Micro Brew Review. This is episode 32 and we are doing something that we have not done since Thanksgiving. It's a very special, special episode. Yes, I'm not allowed to say special episode anymore. I realized at the beginning. Yes, <laughs> at the beginning of every episode, I say special guest and special episode, and apparently, special no longer means special. It just means everything well, we do is special. Then we have to say it because it's now the baseline. So if we don't say it, it's the sad and depressing episode. Ah, uh, we don't believe in that unless Rich Lee is guest starring. He has a habit of bringing bad news. He's the sad and depressing episode. Every time. Yeah, I think what it is, is he reads the news. And so he comes with all these fun facts that aren't very fun. They're just facts. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry, everybody. Welcome to the Beer Mistress's <laughs> Microbrew Review. Today it is Shannon and Jason. And we are um, coming to you from Virginia. Our house. <laughs> yes. It's very glamorous, what can I say? And we are doing something interesting and... Since Ian's not here to judge our beer choices, we each get one today. One choice. One choice, yes. sorry. Uh, we are starting with Jason's choice, which we mentioned last week, though he wasn't here. Don't think less of me, mm. but it's a, <laughs> it's a summer shandy. Uh, and I don't even really know what that means, but we had it at the beer festival, the DC Beer Festival, uh, and I really liked it. And I know that that's not necessarily like the beer lover thing to do. But it's really nice and refreshing. It's like a Corona with the lime fully squeezed into it. So it's Lining Kugel's Summer Shandy. Ryan said last week they just got their first commercial, which is a really big deal for a brewery that's been around since 1867. Did you get to see the commercial? or? I have not. Ryan did. Um, I was going to say, this seems like one that you like have a chihuahua running down a beach or something like that. That's... Uh, they should call me, I think, because <laughs> I, I have some visions as to what their commercial should look like. The chihuahuas <laughs> run so fast with their little legs. Well, you would, it was super close up, so it would look like he's going a lot faster than he actually it's is. It's like the Baywatch chihuahua, little bikini top. Let's not get, uh, let's not get inappropriate here. We're just, we're talking about a chihuahua, not uh, Pamela Anderson. All right, so Lining Kugel called Jason. Don't call me, because apparently we're going in two different directions with this. <laughs> but... I think of this as the grown-up Arnold Palmer. That's what I taste when we drink this. Now, we had to look it up. The ABV is not on the bottle, and you know we always like to report back on ABV. It is 4.2. I know. This is probably the lowest alcohol content beer. Since Uganda. Since Uganda. Well, that's true. I guess that was. <laughs> this one, thankfully, does not taste like the Nile. So it's already got something going much in better. its favor. It tastes yes. like uh, a chihuahua running across a beach. <laughs> Uh, uh, hitting a beach ball with his nose. Whoa. Now it has to be a train chihuahua. You just <laughs> dumped the ante. That is true. So, yes, I can see the Corona. Basically, there's a lot of lemon to it. Yeah. And then the front of the bottle has a lemon um, and wheat stalks on it. It's unfiltered, which you know you get credit for in my book. But it's kind of like a normal beer. It's a normal beer but with a lot more lemon to it, which is what I like about it. You know, Ian just gets Sam Summer and puts a lemon in it. That's feasible, too. Yeah, you could do that. But this is done for you, <laughs> and you don't have to worry about the sanitary conditions of that lemon. Because that was a report, right? That Weren't they talking about how uh, a lot of restaurants don't treat lemons as like food items? They just chop them up and let them sit out for long periods of time, and they don't treat them with the same sanitary 
Yeah, apparently ask, ask for water mm. with lemon at your own risk because the lemons that they use for the bar and in the water and iced tea and stuff is... Yeah. I don't know that I read that. My mother called me all aghast because she knows that I like lemon in my water. <laughs> I think she wanted to school me on something, but... I feel like it was probably on 60 Minutes or something like that. Which is why we 20, haven't seen 22 it. 22 years ago. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. So, we so this is not the same one that we had at... Um, at the beer festival. No? It's not the same. No, we had Traveler's Summer Shandy because they had the little um, mustaches that they were giving out. That's what all those people walking around with mustaches oh. were. They were drinking the Traveler's Summer Shandy. Uh, that one was sweeter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was just talking to my uh, friend Luis about that today and he said this has more of that punch of lemon mm-hmm. whereas the other one had more of a sweet uh, tea-ish. Right. Maybe that's where I got the honor Arnold Palmer flavor because mm-hmm. you take the tea and you take the lemon and that's you know it works yeah it's nice it's refreshing it's definitely a good sitting on the deck you know reading on a sunday kind of beer i agree or sitting around uh every weeknight this past week yeah i've had to i stopped buying six packs and just moved up to a case because you were sort of blasting through and it's only april so i can't imagine what you're going to be like when the wa- weather's actually hot i'll probably be drinking stouts or mad else or something like that because i don't really follow follow the whole you know, drinking the lighter beers in the summer and the darker beers during winter. I kind of just drink whatever I want to at the time. I think it's because you don't go outside. Well, that that explains why I'm so pale, <laughs> but not necessarily why I like pale ale. Oh, Cousin Max would be so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm just saying that if you're always in a temperature-controlled environment, then your body isn't expecting a beer that fits with the outside temperature. Wait, what? If you don't go outside, it, so you're always in a place that's temperature controlled, the heat is on, the AC is on, yeah. you know, it's always at 71 degrees, then that explains why your body's not responding to, oh, it's cold outside, I want a porter. It's warm outside, I want a shandy. It's always the same temperature in your world. See, but I also think that the temperatures that are read off of the thermometers are to- like for air conditioning and heating are so completely way off. Because they'll say that it is 70 degrees in the wintertime, but it doesn't feel like 70 degrees. It feels like 60. And then in the summertime, if you have that same thing and it still reads at 70, it feels like it is uh, like 92. So I, I don't know that I would trust the whole, that whole thing. Maybe we have drafty windows. Maybe that's what you're telling me. <laughs> we have three walls. Well, I guess one of our walls is a window. <laughs> so that's entirely possible. Just throwing that out there. As possible. Because the AC unit is on, you know, the thermometer's on a different floor than the actual unit is housed on. And right. It's on the only rises. floor where people don't live or spend any time in yeah. our house. But it's right next to the oven, just That's for true. good measure. That's true. You know. For the winter means that the whole rest of the house is cold. Yeah. At least when you're cooking. So let me throw this out there because I know this is one of your favorite things to talk about. What would you pair this summer shandy with other than a hot summer's day uh, or an april cool day um i don't really know i think you could go uh two ways anything that would go well with lemon so this would be amazing with shrimp or crab um a nice or lobster light refreshing uh, oh my gosh, seafood lobster would be amazing i can see that um or uh you know those days when we have uh, we go to the store and we'll buy the whole bushels of crab legs. Mm-hmm. I think this would be really good for that because of that lemony 
flavor that goes with it. Let me clarify. And it's going to cut through the butter. He meant bunches of crab legs. Bushels of crab legs would be huge. How much is a bushel? What's uh, the difference? A bushel is like a barrel. Generally, it's like 144 of something. So that sounds awesome. And yeah, I know. I, I knew you wouldn't be disappointed. What we're doing for the rest of today, <laughs> but unfortunately, digging out under crab legs. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I also think that would be very difficult to keep warm. Well, and the house would smell like crazy. Yeah. But yes. It would be worth it, though. So. That's one of our favorite things to do. We only do it two or three times a year, but we either now there's two ways to do it because we live near the Chesapeake Bay. Um, you know, the blue crab is a really big deal around here. Jason and I don't really have the patience for blue crab. So maybe once every year or two, we'll get a dozen just so that we can taste the old bay and feel like we live in this area of the world. But more than anything, we prefer the big king crab legs or snow crab legs or yeah. whatever goes on sale at the grocery store. But we'll actually lay out like a picnic on the floor and get <laughs> all of the different accoutrement that we need from the kitchen, from the toolbox, in order to do the uh, breaking open of the goods. And uh, then when we're on the floor, since, I don't know, it's hard and we're not worried about ruining the table or anything like that, that's when we start whacking the heck out of them. So I think, oh, I don't remember what the national disaster was. It was either a flood or a hurricane or a snowstorm or something that we were expecting. We went to the grocery oh, yeah, store yeah, yeah. and everybody was stocking up on bread and milk and eggs. And I was wandering around trying to figure out what I wanted to make for dinner. And we went back and bought like four pounds of snow crab legs. And I remember thinking if we actually lose power, the house is going to smell awful because we won't be able to do anything with all these shells for the next few days. But it turned out to be pretty great, I think. That was a fun night. It's fun to stay inside when all that stuff is going on outside and have uh, something you don't usually do, I guess. Now that's something interesting about this, well, it's food-wise, like to do something special or, I don't know, uh, this is your favorite thing, and not mine, but get a puzzle uh, and lay <laughs> that out. <laughs> no, never, you can't make me, you've tried a few times. Yeah, well, 3D puzzles especially. Oh. <laughs> okay, folks, you know that I am older than my years when it comes to my fun sometimes, but let me tell you, I draw the line at puzzles. I don't I need- I don't understand why. I, I don't know. Maybe because I like to color outside the lines and you can't do that with a puzzle. Also, that being said, I love to color and I stay in the lines. Well, you did ask the other day if we could use your crayons to color yeah. as an afternoon activity. You wanted to do something other than watch TV. What does one do on a Sunday afternoon? I don't know, adult board games? <laughs> <laughs> adult board games? Well, no, that I'm, sounds I'm talking kinky. like the board games for adults. <laughs> oh, well that's less fun. But I like that you went there. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay with it. <laughs> but no, not, not what I was intending. Here's my challenge to our listeners. Make it special. Don't feel like you have to wait for some occasion. Again, here on the podcast, every day is a special day. Um, but you sound like Mr. Rogers. Don't think that you have to wait for, you know, your birthday, an anniversary, a holiday in order to do something special. If you are craving crab, look it up online or, you know, tweet me and I'll tell you how to cook crab. It's not a really big deal. And, I mean, it takes 15 minutes. You could go out to a restaurant, you could spend $30 on your crab entree, or you can sit at home, have a great experience, open a bottle of wine. Or my favorite, we started doing the ice bucket, and we'll just fill mm -hmm. the ice bucket with like one of six different kinds of beer, 
and that way it's right next to where we're hammering crabs and that there's some really great flashball memories it's a night that we're going to remember dinner that you don't do on a normal occasion yeah, and when you're do doing that. it at home you're doing it for 12 or 15 dollars you can fit that into so many budgets yeah. you know yeah well the same i mean a lot of folks will sit at home and do their mac and cheese or they do pasta or something like that and that's not I mean, this would go well with uh, the summer shandy would go well with some of that as well because it's nice and light. But you're not necessarily going to remember that as much as you would something where you're sitting down and doing, you know, just doing something that's not normal. I guess my challenge to you, or usual, typical, you again being our listeners, is that for the price and the time that you're putting into some of the examples you just gave, we've got some ideas that can make dinner special again. I actually watched a show at the gym. I have this horrible, horrible habit of watching Food Network at the gym. But I was watching a show called Can Dinner Save My Family? Or something to that effect. Okay. And I know, right? It was it was like Dr. Oz meets Dr. Phil meets Food Network. It was really yeah. interesting. But it basically took troubled families and, you know, it showed there before, whereas, you know, every day we're running somewhere, we're going through the drive-throughs, we're having dinner, we're eating in the car, all of that, and saying, if I commit 30 days, all of us, making dinner together, eating dinner together, is it going to fix some of our problems? And the one and only episode I've ever seen of this resonated a little too closely because it resembled a lot of my own family drama before I left and started my own family. Um, but it really brought up a lot of good things. Like the first day, I think they had hot dogs and potato chips and the kids made fun of the mom so bad, but she spent 20 minutes, you know, at dinner and that's the first time she had cooked in two years. And she said, you know, it'll get better. But for my first time, I was really scared. I knew how to do this. This is what we're doing. And it was probably still better than, you know, going out and doing takeout. Yeah. So, and they worked up to, you know, doing the pastas, doing maybe tacos, and that gives everyone something to do. They made their own homemade pizzas, but it became something special that the family did together, all cooking together, and then sitting down and talking while they had dinner. Um, so how often do you think being nervous about cooking uh, is a, a stumbling block for folks? Oh, or I think a hurdle for folks to having dinner at home? I think really often, I think it's, I think it's two things. I think it's being nervous about cooking and I think it's having the time. But part of it is they don't understand what goes into the cooking to realize that they absolutely do have the time. And where, where do you learn how to cook anymore? Yeah. You know what I mean? We had home ec class when I was growing up. And so, yeah, and no, I didn't. We right. Didn't well, that that's the difference between the country and the city, I guess. Yeah. But um, I remember the guys saying, why am I ever going to need to know this? <laughs> that yeah. didn't go over super well. But we didn't ever do anything super involved, but we had test kitchens and we, you know, definitely spent three years, just a semester at a time, learning basic cooking skills. Um, my mother never taught me how to make anything. She had three recipes. She made cream de menthe brownies, which was hilarious because she doesn't drink. So we would buy one bottle of cream de menthe about every eight years so that <laughs> she could make this one and only recipe. Um, she made fruit cocktail cake, which to this day I try to explain to her nobody wants to eat because it sounds like fruitcake and it's about as disgusting. Like if you have to open a can of pre-made fruit cocktail to put it in the cake, not a good sign. And German chocolate cake. So, which I know your dad can't eat, but... Um, yeah. What about pecan pie? No, my grand, my, no, 
Really? Nope. What about mashed potatoes? Oh, she does whip a mean potato. It's I was going to say, because your family's known for mashed potatoes. Yeah, that's true. The difference is she was always considered the lazy one in the family because she didn't peel the potatoes first, and now that's something trendy. Really? Yes. Well, there's more nutri nutrients in the... That's yeah, a texture, too. Yes, it's nice. Um, but, in, yeah, in my family, we called them mashed, but they're actually whipped. Um, I don't know. It's apparently the only way that they judge a woman's cooking is on her whipped potatoes. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing when I first <laughs> met your family. It was, uh, okay. Well, yeah, because every time we get together with Jason's family for a holiday, his family doesn't make mashed or whipped potatoes. So if I follow up with my family afterwards, the first thing they want to know for all of the insider gossip is how are Jason's mom's potatoes? And I'm like, no, she didn't make any. So they sit me down, sort of pat me on the head and just feed me potatoes to try to make up for it. It can't possibly be Thanksgiving without potatoes. Yeah. But so yeah, so that's pretty much all my mom made, which I think is really funny now because for the longest time, she refused to say I was a good cook. She still doesn't say it necessarily. Necessarily. But no. she likes to say, I'm a very good baker. But um, in terms of cooking, I still, yeah, I, that's only amazing because they came over the other week and I made them, you know, some butter, or, um, butternut squash and pumpkin soup. And she was basically licking it out of the bowl. How did you make this? So. Yeah. I think you're an amazing cook, and, uh, but I also benefit from it greatly on a <laughs> daily basis. Uh, last night, um, Ian and I had a beer dinner. It was a six-course dinner for 10, and it was a birthday, so it was a very fun and celebratory evening. But I did have my mother's words echoing in the back of my head because uh, last course was a butterscotch whiskey cake with a caramel drizzle and walnuts. And actually, I did it with bourbon, the um, Eagle Rare bourbon, because the birthday boy loves... Uh, bourbon, bourbon barrel aged beers, all of that. So I decided to put bourbon in the dessert and then I paired it with an old Rasputin, which is definitely... What is that one? I've that seen it. I just don't remember what it is. It's a Russian Imperial Stout. Okay. According to Beer Advocate, it's one of the most perfect beers out there. Mm -hmm. um, it ranges between 97 and 100 in terms of ratings. Um, but it's it's dark and stormy. There's one person out Did of the... Did you say dark and stormy? Yes. That is awesome. <laughs> there was one person out of the 10 who wasn't really a beer drinker and she took one sniff and was afraid to taste it because she said it smelled so bitter and it really is. It's very brooding beer yeah. uh, but it's perfect for being Russian and for like ending the night and all of that. So I plated these cakes and I just got a new pan so I thought that they looked really neat. They were very big and fluffy and then with my caramel drizzle on top and it's a birthday so of course you want to serve a cake if you can. And I served them, and I just heard all of these people like, oh, they grabbed their stomachs. They weren't sure how they were going to eat all of this. And then someone took a bite and just made this low throat moaning sound. Wow. <laughs> and I got so happy on the inside. <laughs> um, so it sort of inspired everyone else to pick up their fork and decide that, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. I have enough room in my stomach to sit here and, and try this cake. Um, I think... Almost everyone took theirs. I think most of the couples sort of split one and then took one home. They, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. wrapped it up. But it was wildly successful. And I just heard my mother saying in the back of my head, well, you always were a baker first. So apparently oh. I just took my baking up a notch now instead of... I was the first person to bake bread in our oven at home, all those little things. So, so I was wondering if... Because uh, that was this 
made me think of the first time that I ever went to a pairing dinner. Um, and I think that was Niagara, wasn't it? Yeah, wine pairing dinner. Yeah, so we had a wine pairing dinner in Niagara. And that was really, you remember these like foods and the things that we ate much more than I do. Did you want to go through? Because this really was kind of the kickoff for us as to thinking about doing pairings and how pairings would work. Not necessarily for beer, but just overall thinking about the concept. Do you want to go through what, what we had up there at all? Well, do you, you remember what we had You up didn't there? really prep me, so I don't remember. I, um, I, <laughs> I remember two courses, actually, which I guess for out of five or six isn't bad since it's been four years. Yeah. Um, really neat event. Jason and I love to travel for Thanksgiving. We should do that again this year. Yeah, so the, yeah, I'll explain that part because you're about to talk about all, all the stuff that we did. Uh, but uh, so the traveling for Thanksgiving is amazing because the traveling costs out overseas. Traveling overseas for Thanksgiving is amazing. Traveling domestically in the U.S. is Terrible. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but if you go to the international line at the airport, it, you'll fly through because they're usually, what, four people? Usually soldiers coming home for the holiday. That's the only thing I've ever really run into. Yeah. And it, it, so it's just absolutely worth it if you get the chance and, you know, your family won't string you out uh, for not going to Thanksgiving dinner. If you can go overseas, that's a perfect time to do the it. The price, though, too, is amazing. Yeah, it's much cheaper. Nobody overseas knows what on earth Thanksgiving is. Right. So you won't get any questions like, what are you doing on Thanksgiving? They'll say, why are you here? Right. And, uh, and you have to explain that away. But uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely an amazing time to go. So, so we went to Canada. This well, <laughs> overseas so, Canada. So. <laughs> there was one year when we didn't, we didn't sort of have the time or money to take a, a good far away journey. So we decided we're still going to yeah. escape the U.S. for Thanksgiving. And we went to Niagara. And I found online a wine pairing dinner in the barrel cellar of this vineyard. And it was the day after Thanksgiving, and it sounded too perfect not to, um, because we have a habit of, you know, eating bar food on Thanksgiving or something because these other countries don't celebrate it. So you're not going to find turkey and mashed potatoes and all the trimmings. Did you make this uh, before we went, or did you just see it while you were up there? No, I made it before we went because okay. it sold out. It sold out pretty well oh, in it advance. Did. Okay. But the area, um, there's Niagara Falls area, and then there's Niagara on the lake, which is sort of a. I'm going to say it again. I'd, Sort of like special, must say charming every episode. Uh, but there's a, a charming little neighborhood. You can call it dashing. <sighs> no, you want to reserve that word? <laughs> Is it dashing hesitant. though? I mean, you've been there. Would you call it dashing? No, I'm just bringing it back to dashing rogue using an adjective. Yes. We'll, we'll work up could, to dashing. You could stretch it to dashing. Okay. So uh, Niagara on the lake just happens to be at the same latitude as the area in Germany that makes my favorite wines. So mm -hmm. I was very excited to see that they have a very plentiful wine region there. And uh, so they make a lot of Rieslings and they make a lot of ice wine because obviously it gets very cold. So Jason and I spent a day driving all about doing the wine tour, which became a tougher problem in the nice weather. You can book bicycles and stuff and pedal from one to the other because half a mile down the road is another vineyard, another vineyard, another vineyard. We were driving because it was November and it was really chilly. That became a problem after like the sixth vineyard because there's no one around. So they're just pouring and pouring and pouring. And we yeah. found the little coupon booklet that let us drink for free. So it was awesome. But after that day, um, we took a separate occasion where we went to the barrel cellar 
and it was awesome. We checked in. Uh, the place was very beautiful. It was large on a huge expanse of land, and it was a new building that was just very modern and picturesque. And they took us down deeper and deeper into uh, the building where you got to, you know, basically the basement, and you're surrounded by all of the barrels that are aging the wine. And that table held, what, maybe 35, 40 people? Yeah, it was a long table. It was a very long table. You're um, sort of sitting right next to the person that you... Uh, had booked with, but that was about it. It was mostly all couples. And I think it was five or six courses. Um, the last course we had upstairs, and it was a ch like chocolate-covered strawberries and raspberry cordials, and we had it with a uh, raspberry ice wine, as I recall. But that was, they pulled out the baby grand piano, and it was, it was lovely. Wasn't it kind of like Downton Abbey? Now that I'm thinking about it, because you had to drive down the driveway, and there was mm -hmm. a circle and all that that you drove around. Yes. Which is very Downton Abbey. Based on your 30 seconds of watching Downton Abbey, you have... Based on my falling asleep while you're watching it next to me, yes. <laughs> so, I do remember that this is when Jason was still breaking out of some of his food... My only hot dogs, hamburgers, and fries. Yes. Yes. He had a very limited food option. And Chinese. Lots of Chinese. Of course. Nothing says culture like takeout Chinese. Yep. I looked at this menu and I thought, oh, good grief, there is no way this man is going to eat most of this food. And at some point, the wild mushroom tort came and I inhaled mine. It was so delicious. It was very flaky and I know that Jason does not like mushrooms. And I'm trying out the pairing and it's so delicious. And I turn to him because I want to claim his tort. And I look over and he's got like crumbs on his lips and he ate the whole thing. And I thought, oh, well, this is a very good sign. But it was good. I didn't like the mushroom part as much, but I liked the, yeah, it was good. That's the only, I remember the dessert and I remember the tort, but they're the only two of the five courses I remember four years later. But it was a great experience because the winemaker was there, the servers would come out, serve each course, and the winemaker would explain why, you know, they chose this wine to go with it. Right. And that was The atmosphere was amazing. The beginning for me. Well, yeah, there's something about, you know, the candlelight and the barrels. And it was a little chilly down there. Yeah. Full disclosure. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty cold. But um, it was also Canada, so I think we dressed accordingly. Canada closing in on wintertime, yeah. Yes. November. Agreed. So that's how we sort of got our start on seeing what a pairing could be. So it was a good first experience for that. And then... Uh, yeah, you sort of took it from there. I do want to revisit something from, oh goodness, episode three or four, when we talked about our Labor Day beer pairing barbecue, which mm -hmm. I think we might do again. Folks, write in. Um, do we it do on July 4. Oh, that's a possibility, isn't it? Yeah. We'll have to that's see. And Ian gets like crazy busy around that time of year. It's also Memorial Day, right? Well, no, your sister's getting married. Oh, yeah, that makes that difficult. <laughs> So there's uh, July 4, yeah. July 4 and Labor Day once again. Um, congratulations, by the way, to my sister. Hey, Amanda, in congratulations. Yes. <laughs> um, in case Jason, she's listening. <laughs> he knew all along when your wedding was. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I still, people ask me, I'm like, I don't know. I just, I show up. <laughs> That's my job. I'm going to get you up that morning and put a suit over your, yeah, over the door while you're showering and say, here, put this on. Wait, what's going on today? I have to drive up to Maryland? So I'm sorry, you were saying. Um, so at the Labor Day Beer Pairing Barbecue, we debuted the strawberry soup. Mm. And mm. we paired it with Lancaster Brewing Company's strawberry 
ale or strawberry wheat ale strawberry wheat yeah yeah and jason poo-pooed it on the podcast he just said that that was both an uninspired pairing and not a very good one because the strawberry ale doesn't really have a strawberry flavor to it right i mean well i mean it has a little bit to it but the the point of a pairing is to bring out flavors in both the beer and the food and when you have something that's that similar you just get you know you get bowled over by the strawberry right and it really should like you should be having something that is different but compliments so last night as well as with our butterscotch whiskey cake we did revisit the strawberry soup as the weather has been getting warmer um, I did a nice little creme fresh drizzle on top some mint and some strawberries fresh strawberries but I took the challenge and when we were at the DC Beer Festival I tried the Widmer Brothers Hefeweizen and I took one sip and said this is it this is the beer to go with our strawberry soup and uh, it was wildly successful last night yeah. the people said wow just the two of those flavors together just nailed it yeah. so um, if you'd like to know my recipe for strawberry soup it is super easy and just refreshing I love it and you can tweak it you can go between sort of an um, a little bit of an acidic, more See, savory that's, strawberry. Yeah, that's one of the ones I didn't like, and the right. first one too is that acidity to it. And but you can take that through almost like a melted strawberry milkshake flavor if you'd rather go that way. There's you know you can run the gamut depending on um, the taste, yeah. ratio of ingredients that you use. So, um, beermistress at dashingrogue.com or just tweet me at beermistress and I will get you that recipe. Did I tell you what my sister did? Speaking of strawberry milkshakes. Uh oh no. Uh, okay, so we were having to say, my sister ran her first 5K yesterday. Uh, I saw pictures. Last night, yes. She actually made it all the way through, even though she's never run more than a mile in like a third or something like that. That's awesome. So that's that's impressive to me because I would never be able to do that. But uh, she, I told her that, because uh, we'd moved my other sister earlier in the day. And uh, I said, hey, you know, to build up your muscles after you do a long run or, uh, you know, a huge workout, uh, chocolate milk is a really good thing to uh uh, to get because so I guess it's what the protein and the sugars and all that stuff helps to build up your muscles um, after that and, and rejuvenates you. So my sister said, oh, okay. And so she went and she got a McDonald's uh, strawberry milkshake and drank that. And I said, oh, Amanda, hey, <laughs> I don't even think that's a dairy product. <laughs> no, it doesn't melt. So how can it be a dairy it's product? Not a, it's not a dairy product. And uh, also... Yeah, you didn't. You basically just drank calories and sugar. Like that's, or I don't. Yeah, I don't know how those things are split out, but basically just calories. And we're gonna come back to most people don't think they have the time or the skill to make it themselves. Right. Well, but you don't need a milk. And that was the other thing I was like, if you're gonna do it, do a chocolate milk. You don't necessarily need to do a milkshake. Right. But uh, I thought that was funny. That's awesome. To the woman getting married in six weeks, I now she's got to run another 5K to work that off, I think. Well, that's what she was saying. Because it, it's, it, it's counterintuitive that you would be running to try and lose weight or to get better at long-distance running, but then drinking a full-fat uh, milk chocolate afterwards. It's like, it, didn't I just undo everything that I just ran for? But it's not. It's different. So my friend Ashley ran the Philadelphia Half Marathon for three or four years in a row. Her favorite thing to do when it is over is go down to Pat's and get a cheesesteak. Yeah, well, you need <laughs> And to, she wears yeah. her, mu her medal all proudly and stuff, and she takes a picture and uploads it every year. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, she's built like a rock star, don't get me wrong. But 
there's just something in my mind. I mean, and I'm sure if I made it through 13.1 miles, I also would want something sinful to celebrate. You but should be able to reward yourself after that. I'm not sure that Pat's cheesesteak, because they start at like 7 in the morning, so she's having the cheesesteak by 10. I'm not sure that that's my breakfast of choice if I just ran 13 miles. What's the furthest you've gone so far? 10. You were close. I was so close. Well, I mean, I guess that's a 5K away, but... Yeah, but once you... I peak, like, I don't know how to explain it. I never really was a distance runner, but I do enjoy it. Um, I don't know that I'm any good at it, but I, I do reasonably enjoy it. What I need to do is get through the first mile. The first mile for me feels like the longest half hour of my life, even though it's only nine minutes. Um, after I'm through that, I feel like I could run all day as long as I have enough of the ready carbs to burn. Yeah. Um, but that was, I was starting to hit a wall at around eight or nine miles that I was like, oh, well, my knees have never done this before. This hurts in ways I didn't realize. Um, but that was, we had just moved to this town in Virginia and um, we picked it partially because of all the running trails around and I didn't know where I was and I was terrified as I'm trying to find 10 miles worth of running that I'm going to get lost or get turned around and not know how to get back to the house because it had only been, it had only been maybe like two or three weeks that we had lived here. So, okay, we're talking a lot about exercising and running and all that. How about uh, we open the next beer because I'm done with my shandy. All right, you do. You you never lap us. Now I'm the baby tomato. I know. The baby tomato? I love that phrase, but I've never heard it before. Um, Ian uses it all the time. Baby tomato? Yes. Wow. Because I have to catch up. Thank you. All right, so this beer, I'm going to admit to this, our second beer for the day, since uh, Jason got to choose the first beer and we had the oh yeah, there's a, yeah. very classy summer shandy, uh, we are moving on to Flying Fish Brewing Company's Exit 4 American Triple, oh, proudly really brewed light. in New Jersey. Um, the side says, this hoppy Belgian-style triple has a hazy golden hue, aroma of citrus, hints of banana and clove with rich malt character, followed by a subdued bitterness in the finish. Look is, how light that is. That's, well, it's a that's like your Uganda beer. It's like triple carmelite. May I have my... Is it really? Oh, yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, so, uh, this whole dashing rogue craziness, yes, is built around the beer pairing dinners that we love to do so much uh, but that also was built from my love of beer even before I met Ian and um, I started was it blogging. before you met Ian really oh my gosh yes oh, I didn't know that um, I think I started blogging in 2009 oh good grief that makes me feel old so if you are brave enough to read my archive, um, you can go to shandonsbeerblog.wordpress.com or you can see the best of at uh, dashingrogue.com slash reviews. Um, but I, I just decided that I wanted to take my love of beer to everybody and also sort of make beer accessible. So when I was writing reviews, I didn't want it to be the pretentious reviews that I was reading on Beer Advocate. I don't care how many like fingers worth of head are on top or you know what level in the darkness scale the maltiness is. That isn't what is going to make people willing to try it. So uh, I just 
started a beer blog one night. Jason was working late and I was like, I'm doing this, darn it. What do I have in the fridge? Um, and so the first beer I ever, ever blogged about was this exit for American Triple. Um, and I did it because we were in Philadelphia at the time. It was blue, brewed right over the bridge in New Jersey. I felt like a local thing that was fun. Um, I have not read that in probably a year and a half because I'm probably embarrassed to read it now. <laughs> but if you would like to pull out some best of quotes and, um, you know, post them online embarrassingly or something, I can totally, I understand and I'm fine with that. So what do you think of the lightness? So I'm not normally a triple fan. Yeah, that's why we each got to pick one because I'm not a, a Summer Shandy fan. Uh, but this is actually something that I could drink. Because one of the things with triples, is, um, or am I thinking Hefeweizen, there's coriander, typically. Yes, this one has cloves, but not coriander. Yeah. You're thinking Hefe. I'm thinking Hefe. Yes. Is it normal for a triple to have coriander, or no? Do you know? Nope. Not normal, okay. Nope. Well, then I like it. I don't love triple carmelite. No. I really, it's syrupy to me. Okay. And I just don't, I don't, it's something about, something about it. But this I like. Awesome. I have two sips of summer candy left before I earn my way into the triple. Yeah, you got it. So you can do it. You can do it. If you look up Flying Fish, most of their beers, if not all, are named after different exits on the Turnpike, the Jersey Turnpike. Oh, is that what that's from? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, there's actually a map in the background that shows you the different highways and roads, because. In a lot of ways, Jersey is also one of those passing through kind of states, but it's more of a north-south, whereas Pennsylvania is more of an east-west. So is Flying Fish in north Jersey or south Jersey, do you know? Uh, it is in Somerdale, New Jersey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it really was pretty close to Philly. Yeah, I was going to say, that's right. I mean, that's right over the bridge-ish, I guess. I don't really know that for sure. But There's another, is it Weyerbacher that's near New Hope? I just, New Hope, Pennsylvania, I went there, don't judge me, for a Renaissance festival once. And, um, what do you mean for a, you were an actor in, you mean? It was, they were having their own Renaissance festival and they sort of contracted out for a bunch of us to come in and yeah. play, but then it rained all day. So I spent most of the time inside cowering for warmth. That's how I recall it. Nice. Um, but when I was there, I remember, well, first off I wanted to stay. I was driving home and saw a sign on one of the little back roads that said, Saturday night only, trout fishing in America, which when I was growing up was one of my absolute favorite bands. Um, oh, it's a band? It's a band, yes. Oh, okay. It's called Trout Fishing in America. It's like, you can probably go trout fishing other days. Um, Maybe. It, it was like, I don't know if this is all they do or if this is all my mom let me just listen to, but it was educational. I mean, there was a song called Wheels on a Big Rig. And it was, you know, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 wheels on a big rig. And then you would do it in different languages and you would do it in Roman numerals and you would divide it by pi. And there was what? <laughs> your faces. Divide by pi. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> they were fun. They were catchy. They were silly. But I loved trout fishing in America. And my mom really got tired of that tape really fast. Um, but I haven't probably heard of them in eight years or so. And so when I saw that they were coming to this little town, I was very excited. They were playing like the fire hall or something. Yeah. Um, but I think it's right near Weyerbacher because people have been trying to get me back to the New Hope area ever since. And it was beautiful. It was very picturesque. It, was, it didn't feel like a Philly suburb, if that makes sense. It, you know, it felt further removed than that. 
So I had a band uh, that I liked growing up too, and I still like, and that's called the Bare Naked Ladies. But I felt so scandalous whenever I would listen to it because they were called the Bare Naked Ladies. So I would hide the CD from my parents, even though you know nowadays it would be considered like a pretty tame, <laughs> tame band. I was, uh, I felt so scandalous back when I was a kid. You were scandalous as a kid. What are you talking about? Really? I don't know that I would classify myself as that. I was a pretty goody two-shoes. It's true. Yeah. You still are. Well, yeah. I, I take pride in that. Okay. On that note, so Jason's beer was 4.2%. Yeah, this is going to be a lot more. I you want to guess? That. I'm going to guess 9.8. 9.5. Man, I've been doing really good with that. Yeah, you have. Recently. Um, also, everybody, I just wanted to give a shout out to loyal listener Sean Valentine, who has also been a guest podcaster because mm-hmm. he is due to be a daddy any day now. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, we've been trying to get together for him to do another episode. He wanted to get involved with some dashing room business. Um, he's got some great marketing experience and he wants to help take our message of good beer to the people. Uh, but he doesn't exactly know when he's supposed to do that because he's in a holding pattern now. <laughs> yeah. um, truly any day now. So, um, Sean, this hits on Tuesday. You might be a daddy by then. If so, congratulations. Yeah. And if not, we're going to cheers you anyway. How's that? Yeah. So, I, I thought of that because on Sean's trivia, you kept cheating and waiting for me to answer before you would weigh in. So... I don't know if that's cheating as much as it is strategy? amazing strategy. Yes, <laughs> just like the Game of Thrones game we played after that, uh, after that podcast. Okay, I got made fun of so bad at work when I when they heard that there is a Game of Thrones board game and that I played it on a Saturday night. I think those people don't know what fun is. Remember going <laughs> back to the whole adult board game thing? <laughs> yeah, that is definitely an adult board game. I'm gonna say yes when there's that many moving pieces and that much. Going into it, yeah. I'm going to say yes. I mean, we had to have a teacher read the rule book and reference it <laughs> frequently. I've, That's true. That to me just is overcomplicated. Do you know what happens in sorry? Rolling dice and saying sorry. Like, that's my speed. I never, my parents never let me play that game because it encouraged being mean to others. Okay. I got to play Trouble, though, and that does the exact same thing. It's, it's the exact same, the same game, game, just with a pop-o-matic bubble. Right. Wow. <laughs> You, the marketing people worked wonders on you. It is amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I just read... I'm not allowed to say this in front of Ian or Ryan. They told me I'm not allowed to reference our age anymore. Um, but I just read one of those online forums of things that you'll never see again or never get to experience... Or never get to open for Christmas ever again. Okay. And it involved things like the Fisher Price roller skates that didn't... The wheels didn't actually roll. You kind of walked around on the... Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I had those. They were amazing. But one of them was that smell of a new koosh ball. And I thought, oh, man, instantly I could remember what a new koosh ball smelled like. Wait, aren't the koosh balls the one that have all the, like, the hairs on the yes. side? Yes. Okay. So if you want to see a really cool video, there's something online. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. Uh, but uh, you can go on and it's... They put a koosh ball into... Uh, liquid nitrogen. Wow, does it just freeze like that? Like it's... Uh, it does, it like curls up in the middle because there's air in the middle, I guess. But it's a really interesting video if uh, you get a chance to go see it. Just neat. They do all sorts of uh, dropping things in li- li- liquid nitrogen. I'm not good with online videos. I would say there are people who can spend hours just 
perusing through YouTube. The only thing I do on YouTube is play songs that I am too cheap to buy on iTunes. So I let them play in the background while I'm doing other things. I don't actually watch the videos. That being said, the TED Talks are fantastic. Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple of them now and I feel guilty in that I feel like I'm getting business and leadership training and should be paying for it because some of those people are such good speakers that, you know, you would spend good money to go to like a master class with them. So I'm going to try to buckle down and be grown up and say, you know, twice a week, I'm going to spend 20 minutes and watch a TED talk about a topic that I should learn more about. I think that's a great idea. I mean, you know, most of the learning that I do, you know, outside of what we did in college is all on YouTube and, um, just online now you know I mean you can go to classes and you can get degrees and all that and that's good for getting degrees but I really feel strongly that in the end you could probably get a very similar education by just being diligent on YouTube and going through all the tutorial videos that they have well how different is that really things. from taking you know online school I think some of it's just the, the structure of it some people benefit from and need you know, some people need and some people benefit from the uh, structured class so they go in and they have to either be online for a course or they have to uh, go in for a course and they have to have a paper done for that week and then they have to have a project done every three weeks or something like that um, and that's how they learn and that that works really well for them there are other people that are more um, uh, self-initiated and self-driven where that doesn't work as well so uh, to answer the questions that they have in their head, they're going to go find the answers immediately. And that, you know, the same structure doesn't work because you're spending more time answering offshoot questions that could end up coming in in the future or maybe more relevant to what your interests are. I'm always baffled that someone took the time to put up an educational video about some of the things that they do. Yeah. Um, There's I, a ton on pro programming languages and all that too. Yeah, that just props to them because, you know, they didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. And especially some of them where it's, you know, session after segment after, like, iteration of different things. And I'm thinking, they spent days, you know, getting this right. And Well, that's one of the things. I was doing this uh, last night. I was looking through, uh, I guess, tutorial videos for iPad programming. And they have 50-something odd videos that are all approximately 10 minutes each. And I went through and just did a quick calculation in my head to see approximately how long it would be and I think it's 10 hours long just from this one guy wow. from one source um, so that was just a really interesting to me that he spent that much time over the course of a couple months uh, putting that together uh, I would like to do a request if I may mm -hmm. um, the beer mistress is due for a new cell phone <laughs> I have an HTC Inspire? I Inspire. Yeah. Um, I love it. It doesn't love me. Uh, this is what my third one, I guess, because they just keep freezing up or breaking or the sound stops working or uh, various. Yeah. I will be honest, I surf the internet like crazy. I use it as a GPS and I text like it's my job. Um, yes, in some ways it is. Yeah, that's true. You know, between text and Twitter and all of that. Um, so I would like a new phone, but I don't have any clue what is it exactly that I should get. So I would love for you to weigh in 
um, hit me up on facebook.com slash beer mistress and let me know your favorite f- smartphone, maybe something that you've got in the last six to 12 months, just because obviously I'm looking for a newer one. We've got the S4 coming out in a few days. <sighs> Is that the one that they say like memorizes your typing patterns so you can type faster? I don't know that answer to be honest with you. See, I had an iPhone before this and part of me wants to get the iPhone 5 because it's so secure. Like just in a world where, you know, online banking is prevalent and people's lives are stored on their phones, mm-hmm. I'm terrified that the Android just isn't as safe as an Apple. But that that might be that. I I'm spoiled now about certain things that my Android offers me that this, the uh, yeah. Apple won't. And so I'm a it's little... More flexibility. Yeah, and it's so much bigger. I, I just can't go back to that tiny... You should see the 5 screen and see if it'll work for you because it is longer. I guess. So I've been trying... A few of my friends just got 5s. I've been asking for their reviews um, to see if maybe it'll, it'll persuade me back in that direction. But please do. So this is the first beer that you reviewed. Yep. Do you remember how well you reviewed this beer? Sorry, to go back to the beer topic. Um, I remembered that I liked it. Mm-hmm. I remembered that I bought it because it was a triple and I expected to like it. Um, and I did my Googling to find out a little bit more about Flying Fish, uh, about the tours that they offer in the brewery and stuff like that. Um, blowing my mind right now is that there's breweries popping up everywhere. We're finally catching up with the West Coast. But... Yeah. I don't, I guess here's my fear, and this is going to sound cynical and old, I don't want it to go out of style. Like, it's so exciting that I don't want it to be the thing that happened in the, you know, 2010s or whatever now is going to be considered. Um, And by, you know, 2018, all these breweries are turning into something else. Right. Um, It's too cool. Now, I have friends from the West Coast who say the next logical step is micro distilleries because that's what's started over there now, now that microbreweries are so commonplace they do some really interesting distilling with some unconventional spirits you know like fruit infused spirits and you know aged spirits and things like that i'm not really a mixologist that doesn't interest me the way that beer does and i still do love wine especially the more that we do beer as part of you know dashing rogue the more that when i want to sit down at the end of the night and just unwind i probably am going to choose a glass of wine because it's me time um, See, I'm the opposite. I'm more of a, let's sit back and have a nice Mad Elf or Summer Shandy or something like that. I Vastly think different beers. But no, I'm definitely, I mean, during, I mean, cr- during the uh, holiday season and all that, I like the Mad Elfs just because it's... And it's good timing for you, though, because about the time your Mad Elf starts to dwindle is when the um, Hop Slam comes in. And about the time Hop Slam goes out, Summer Shandy comes in. So basically, you and then the fall beers and the pumpkin, you're almost yeah. set for the year now. I just need a good summer one. Now, the Shandy could theoretically get you through summer. I mean, it's called Summer Shandy. I think that's what their goal is. Yeah, but I drink it in spring, so there's got to be something else for summer. We'll see, I guess. This is the first one, the first summer that I'll have where I've known about Shandy. So, Farmhouse Saison. That's my summer beer of choice. Really? Yep. Isn't that the raisin? No. No, that's Raison. Oh, so complicated. (laughs) Farmhouse Saison makes sense to me because I think of like the farm workers being out in the heat of the summer 
if I was going to, you know, come in for refreshment, but it's got, it's unfiltered. It's light in color, so much flavor, um, and just really satisfying. I really, really love a farmhouse saison. So normally I'm not a huge fan of the unfiltered, but I do like the shandy that we were having. Well, um, I'm unfiltered. not... Um, um, it's cloudy. I don't know. I don't know how much flavor it would have if it were also filtered on really? top of all of that. Yeah. Why is that? Because I think you'd have a carbonated lemon beverage if it were un if it were filtered. It doesn't take the beer out of it, though. Or are you just saying flavor-wise? Flavor-wise. I see. I'm just saying there's at least a little more there. Because of the cloudiness, you're getting sort of the back of the tongue flavor as well. Yeah. But I think that if they filtered it and made it like a nice, bright, clear flavor, um, it would just be very cut and dry. It wouldn't be complex anymore. That makes sense. Yeah. So coriander's not scary. Triple's not scary. We found that there's... So um, that might be my new... Do you get the banana? No, not at all. Okay. I definitely get the clove, the citrus. Um, I'm not sure that I get banana either, but I've only had a few sips, so... Now, so, okay, I'm sorry. I don't remember if you answered this. So, you liked it when you first had it. Yes. And you liked it, this being your first review. Yes. How would you rank it now that you have much more beer knowledge? This is hard because, and I hate to keep going back to this, but it was a lot of cooking. So, I spent several hours over the last week working on it. One of the things that I made for the beer dinner last night as well was um, Allagash poached cherries. Yes. Um... And I put that on a nice baked brie bruschetta. I used Allagash triple to poach those cherries. And that to me was a superior triple to this one. Um, this is still very well done. And I think price wise, it's a, a very good value for the amount of flavor and the quality of the beer you're getting for the price. Mm -hmm. um, but if I, you know, if I had a drink ticket to redeem and I had to choose between the two, I would still go Allagash triple, I think. I feel like you should make a top 10 list of like top 10 value beers, top 10 flavor. You don't care at all about the, you know, costs. Right. And then top 10 like budget beers or something. So if somebody's in a store, they say, you know what, like I want something that's quality, but I really don't want to spend, you know, $10 a bottle on it, then uh, I know I can go for this. I feel like that's, that'd be a neat Neat thing to put up on the website. Let me throw it out to you this way. I have been thinking just over the last 24 hours or so of creating like a beer mistress's corner on the website. Something yeah. where I can sort of do my rants that aren't just beer reviews, but also things like that. You know, this is what's right. on my mind right now. Or this is the new recipe I just came up with. I'm so excited. And this is how you should pair it. Um, or this is my top 10 for, you know, this season or that topic or whatnot. Um, if this is something that the listeners would be interested in so that we should take the time to develop it, how about they um, hit us up on facebook.com slash dashing rogue and tell us that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because I, I don't think it would take too terribly much to implement. But I don't uh, think so either. But, but I also, writing it and all that takes a while. Yeah, I often wonder, am I writing about what they want to hear about, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, and I am more than happy to answer whatever is on your mind or what is most interesting to you. Um, I have been in the beer store many times where I have had to pull out my phone and load something so that I know what to buy. And so if that would be helpful, hey, you know, I'm having a graduation party for 50 people. And so I want to keep my right. budget down, down. But still have quality. 
Exactly. So yeah. if that's something, you know, coming up on this entertaining season, you know, the next four months, I think, is when people do most of their entertaining in the year outside of the holidays. Um, so if this, if this would be the right time to do it, I'll totally buckle down and write that if you guys would appreciate it. So, so we had that once, uh, a similar situation, I guess, uh, Christmas a couple of years ago back at my old job. Um, typically, everybody in the office you would get, it, it's like a Santa, I don't remember what it's Secret called. Secret Santa? Secret or? Santa gift where you'd pull a name out of a hat. It wasn't a, a white elephant where you go around and pick the gifts or whatever. That's it's an stressful. Actual, I don't yeah. even like that. Uh, pretty much everybody seems to hate that unless you're like a big jokester team or something. Right. But, uh, so they would take the, uh, you'd pull the name out of the hat and pretty much everybody put that they wanted beer. Um, and that year I said, you know what, I'll, I'll just a microbrew beer. I didn't want to do just a Budweiser Coors because you'd put whatever you want. Uh, and the guy came back and he ended up with Long Trail, I think that one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's because he had to go in and he had to ask because he had no idea. He wasn't used to microbrews, uh, what a good one was, and the guy was able to give him the tip uh, on that. So having something like that where you could have choices to see whatever is there, I think could be a really good, uh, really good idea for folks that may not have as much information on beer or may not have favorites that they want to share. Well, we can always do that around the holidays and stuff too, you yeah, know, top true. 10 gifts for beer lovers that are under $20 or something, yeah, you know. Seasoned beers or something like that, yeah. or top 10 beers uh, for uh, like July 4 weekend or something like that, and then you do the summer beers and all that. Well, and I think the next step, uh, Ian's been challenging me lately, is I think we're going to see what we can do for sort of beer mixology because it's becoming a thing to use beer as a mixer and things. Um, so what do you mean? Are you talking about mixing two beers together, like a black and tan or? No, more like making a cocktail, but instead of using liquor, having the beer be the representing um, alcohol at the table. Uh, I know there, there's people who make Bloody Marys using beer instead of vodka. Um, that sounds terrible. I, well, it does, except <laughs> if you get the right balance, it can be a really, you know, and Bloody Marys can be super heavy because tomato juice is not something you drink on purpose for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you put the right, really nice light beer with it and use less tomato juice, I think it can be like a nice way to, to consume the Bloody Mary ingredients. And um, Sound, I, that sounds gross. I've me. started to hear of it in punches and things as well. And especially, I mean, if you think about what we do in the podcast, we never really go under 8%. Every once in a while we have- Summer Shandy broke yeah, that trend. We have the Summer Shandy, we have the Aaron episodes, we have those other things, but what we drink normally day to day is eight and above. Well, in a punch, that's enough, so that in a, you know, on a hot summer day, it's, it's a relaxing beverage without getting you tanked. It's not a rum punch that's really super duper high in, in ABV. So I'm starting to hear more of that, and Ian's been challenging me to come up with some beer cocktails, but I don't, I'm not, I can't really wrap my brain around it yet in terms of what to mix it with or how to, how to move forward. Yeah, I would think that would be a pretty tough, tough thing to do. I mean, you could do it. It would be a lot of experimentation. It would be new. Um, so if you're able to find some really killer uh, pairings, that'd be great. I, I would love I would, beer, and I know beer, but that, for some reason, is like a way that, processing the beer doesn't seem to click with me yet. Yeah, I would be more apt to do the black and tan route where you maybe mix a Mad Elf with a Summer Shandy or something. Ooh. Just using the, uh, well, okay, wait, wait. Just mixing them so that, because this Mad Elf, I would assume, 
will sit at the bottom while the shandy sits at the top, right? As long as you pour it correctly, because the Mad Elf ought to be denser than the Summer Shandy. But the Mad Elf is filtered and the Summer Shandy isn't. I don't know how these things work. I don't know the physics of it, but... but hey I'm friends, just I smell an experiment coming on. <laughs> so just the, uh, just the idea of being able to put that together and then you have the cherry with the honey, but you're also mixing in the lemon of the Shandy. Theoretically, I feel like it ought to be able to... Uh, I feel like you're going to go all mad scientist and I'm going to wake up at two in the morning and you're going to be cackling in the basement, mixing together beers to see what happens. Drunk and cackling in the basement. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's funny. All right, guys. So I'm going to upload some pictures online of what we were podcasting about today. I'm going to try to get better about that because you guys seem to love our pictures and this way you know exactly what we're drinking. You don't have to go look it up. You can see the label. And uh, Jason's new favorite phrase is... What? Rate us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. It helps us very much. It does. Five-star reviews help us very much. We do appreciate it. And I know that I've plugged it a few times, but facebook.com slash dashingrogue and always at dashingrogue.com. Jason just put a sexy new video up there. Yes, I did. And by sexy new video, I mean it was the end of a long night, and I'm sorry that my makeup artist did not accompany me to that shoot. <laughs> um, but it is a really great compilation of what it is that we do here at Dashing Rogue. So it, it's... Probably fun to kick back and watch for two minutes. Yeah. And um, next time, really exciting for us, we have a new guest star. I'm going to even say a special guest star. And you're probably not surprised to hear, uh, after all of this time, Mr. Verlin will finally be making an appearance on That's the podcast. Exciting. That so. was a really fun day at his house, too, seeing yeah. all of the uh, how beer is made by the, the homebrewers. Yes. So we are really, really looking forward to that, and we think that at least half of the rhubarb beer will be ready for tasting by that point in time. So, I'd also say a majority of the, vi not a majority, but several of the photos on our website come from that day. Yeah. Um, who else do you know who grows hops? Cause yeah, grow <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was neat. That That's is really uh, neat. definitely props to Jason. Um, all of the photos on our website are Jason originals. Um, we didn't steal anything from anywhere. They're all things that he's taken, and that's pretty great. I'm just double-checking in my head that that is true. Yes. <laughs> it is. It's totally true. And our logo was created just for us. I'm in love with our logo. Um, I might have to get it embroidered on something just for just for good measure. We could, have, we could make a blanket. That'd be neat. Ooh, we saw that on cozy. Groupon, didn't we, recently? Yeah, we did. That's they a really good point. Put a photo out Dashing there. Road Blanket. Who knew? Well, I'm just in time for summer. The Dashing Road Blanket. <laughs> oh, you could put that on uh, uh, towels, too, so that when you're out doing the beer dinners. That's a great idea. Dashing Road uh, Beer Dinner Towels. All right, guys, so apparently we have to buckle down and do some business planning. Um, but thank you so much for a great episode. <laughs> well, maybe you do. I have to drink more beer. <laughs> that is my plan for the evening. So thank you so much for joining us. This is Shannon, your beer mistress. And I'm Jason. Until next time. <laughs>